If you want to open a physical therapy practice, the idea can be daunting. If you want to sell a practice you've grown over the years, the idea can be scary. You should know this. On average, a private practice that joins the physical network grows more than 40%. So if you're ready to discover how the largest network of PT private practice owners are growing and adapting to industry changes, visit physicalfranchise.com. That is F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com. Before we get started, I want to say thanks to our friends from CBDRX4U.com. That's your CBD store. Get the ABCs of CBD at CBDRX4U.com. Couldn't produce the show without our friends from MW Therapy. We say an EMR is to a physical therapist as a hammer is to a carpenter. You deserve to love using it. It should be easy and get the job done. When it's time for something better and customizable, visit MWTherapy.com. That's MWTherapy.com, where switching your EMR is easy. Excited for today's episode. Uh, had had our, our guest is um, presenting at the California Physical Therapy Association annual meeting, having it in person again this month. And it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. It's motivational interviewing. And I feel like if you've heard about it, you're like, yeah, 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 that sounds good. I'll get to it. You really need to put this into practice, into your practice. And I'm talking about with patients. That's obvious. But you can utilize motivational interviewing to give and get information more effectively, more efficiently. And as you'll hear, one of my favorite quotes that I get to throw out in this episode, every conversation is a negotiation for information. I'm going to say that again because it's important. Every conversation is a negotiation for information. You want to make sure you can get your information across as clearly and succinctly as possible. And you want to make sure you're getting all of the information necessary from whoever you're communicating with. Well, motivational interviewing, the topic we'll get into today with our guest, is the tool that can help you do that professionally, personally, and anytime you're communicating with, um, well, humans. Without further ado, let's kick this episode off. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. John Sievert on the show. John, the first thing we do is we always say cheers. It's kind of our thing. We say cheers. Cheers, cheers to you. Cheers. Cheers all the way from California. Where in California are you, John? Well, I am in Northern, ah, there we go, Northern California, uh, up in the little town, Grass Valley, the Twin Cities, Grass Valley, Nevada City. We're kind of right between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. Love it. All right. Well, cheers to you. Uh, we, we bring you the first round from our friends at Owens Recovery Science, a single source for PTs looking for certification in uh, personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. BFR, as the cool kids are saying it these days. Uh, find them at owensrecoveryscience.com. We're actually going to be doing a live podcast. We're getting back to doing live podcasts at uh, Sacred Heart University coming up in a couple months. End of end of 2022 that we're, uh, we're in now. So looking forward to that. Uh, well, John, we bring you on the show. You're, from, you're, you're in California. Don't rub it in. Cause we're starting to do fall here and I'm, I am, I'm drinking a summer shandy. Cause I, I white knuckle summer. I hold on as tight as I can Absolutely. until I have to let go. Yeah. Uh, but you're going to, you're, you're giving a presentation. You said that you want to be the voice of what, how do you finish that sentence? What is your kind of mantra? Yeah. My mantra is I'm the voice of getting people out of chronic pain. You know, I love to help people, empower them to get them out of pain. 
And uh, it's just a, a, you know, I've done like my pretend TED talks on using words that heal, not words that harm. Um, I talk a lot about when I teach all over the nation about, you know, just the words we use and how damaging they can be, right? And so we've got to change that dialogue, you know, everybody and even us, us PTs, we're pretty guilty of it. Yeah. You know, it's, and, it's uh, funny yeah. how you can, how you can, and because obviously we talked before we hit record, you know, my, my media background makes me obviously love words. If I didn't love words, I'd be in the wrong profession. Right. <laughs> um, and I remember the first time someone pointed this out, I was probably still in college and someone said uh, it was a professor talking about, it wasn't pain, but it was about how you can angle a word. You can come at it from a different way. And he said, well, look at the word, uh, look at the two words, write off and loophole. If you agree with whatever that tax benefit is, it's write off. It's a write off. But if you don't agree and someone else is taking advantage of it, it's a loophole. They found a loophole in the system. They are cheating the system and I don't like it. So I'm yeah. going to use that word instead. But you're right. Words that heal, words that harm. How did you first come across the importance of words? And then how did you start to incorporate? Like you, you had to unlearn and unteach before right. you went and relearn. Or, yeah, or learn some my, yeah, some of my new mentors that I did a couple years ago, he I remember him saying to me about four years ago, hey, John, I've just you know, treated one of your patients. And uh, yeah, he was doing everything wrong. He was holding his gut in tight. And he was protecting his spine and he was doing everything. You know, I had to, you know, unteach everything that you taught him. And I'm like, oh, dude, I go, well, at least I'm going to explain that I'm OK with knowing that I made those huge mistakes. Right. You know, so so that was one of the things that, that that I did. But I think us PTs do that a lot. And one of the big things where I heard it was uh, I went to school and um, I got my postgraduate training. I spent two years in Perth, Western Australia. Cool. And when I was there, I had the best class that you could ever imagine. So my classmates, there was a class of 12 of us. This was 1990. And um, Bob Elvey, big name in manual therapy, neural tension guru that pretty much, you know, dissected the cadaver to watch the brachial plexus move as he did all these isolated movements. Hence, he developed the brachial plexus tension test. But in my class of 12, we had guys like uh, Pete O'Sullivan. Oh, yeah. Who became like my best buddy. So we're like best mates. And we, we you know, even our clinics are the same name, body logic physiotherapy and body logic physical therapy. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You guys are like, twi like twin cities, like, uh, you know, like brother, yeah. uh, cousin cities. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. So we, we kind of have that. I stole the name from him. I'll have to admit, but uh, you know, so we had Pete O'Sullivan, we had Toby Hall, another guy that does all this great work in neuro pain education. Um, you know, and we had uh, a lot of the people that did the Mulligan work. So Mulligan came to us, Jenny McConnell came to us, Bob Elby was with us. We had the greatest of these great gurus, if we want to use that word loosely, but, and they were just fantastic. So that group, we were really into talking to our patients and learning how to use better verbiage. So we're empowering them without being the freaking cheerleader, right? Right. Just really empowering them that saying, hey, you know, your spine is really strong and robust. You're going to be all right. You're going to be it, fine. It sounds like I forget what year it was, but it sounds like you were in like the Peyton Manning draft class uh, when he came into the league. You know, it was like every, it was like the hit list, right? Oh my God. We had, yeah, yeah. And the other guy became the president of the APA, Australian Physiotherapy Association. And so we just had these mover and sh movers and shakers in my class. 
and you know you couldn't help but rub elbows with people that had great thoughts all right. day long yeah right it was fascinating so 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 you you one thing that you believe is that motivational interviewing takes the pressure off of us and allows the patient to decide what to do. This, 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 when I say that phrase, it sounds very empowering. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's so when I started learning the techniques about six years ago and trying to implement them, it took me a while. I'm, a, I'm, I'm pretty thick headed. It takes me a while to get that. So it took, you know, and then took the courses again and again. I've got like repeated things over and over again. And the best way to do is practice, practice with those difficult patients. And, you know, you know, it's just kind of like that classic dialogue. You know, I said, okay, today I'm not going to tell a patient to do one thing. Okay. I'm not going to tell them to do anything. And if I do, I'm going to ask them, I'm going to say, Jimmy, you've had this pain for a long time. What do you think is going on? And then you tell me, and then I'm going to say, how are you going to get rid of it? And then you tell me, well, you're, I'm here to see you. You're going to get me, help me get rid of it. Well, would you like some suggestions on how to get rid of that? Right. And then he goes, well, yeah. How about if I give you a stretch or an exercise? Cause you're tight there. Would that work for you? Would you do that? And they say, well, sure. Okay. Well, let's do that one thing today. You know, so of these chronic back pain patients, neck pain, whatever, the people that are just not doing anything, we try to fix, 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 and they come back and they don't have time to do it. They, oh, I didn't have time. I'm too busy. And I just say, what are you going to do this week? Tell me one thing you can do this week. Can you do that? Yeah. What am I, what are you going to do? Well, I think I'm going to try to do that stretch you showed me at least once a day. Perfect. And then let them make right. the choice instead of me telling them what to do. And then my success, my success rate with adherence to home exercise program has, you know, quadrupled. Well, they Just own quadrupled. it, right? They're, they're, they're owning part of the process. They're not being handed. Who wants to be told what to do? I don't want to be told what to do. Right, right. You know, and this is how you get rid of pain and how that interweaves with the cognitive functional therapy that I've been learning and using as well is not telling them what to do, finding out what their belief systems are, and then asking them what they want to do. They pick and choose what they want to do, then getting our hands on the patient to feel how they're using their muscles, making those changes, hence cognitive functional therapy. And that the way that that MI is used with CFT is, is, is a blend that's just, it's obvious. It's just, that's how it's done. Well, let's make sure the audience knows what CFT is. Let's 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 define it and describe it. So when you're teaching someone, because you're going to be teaching motivational interviewing, you're going to be teaching these ideas at the California Physical Therapy Association annual conference. We're actually giving away some tickets. We'll put the the link right. to win your way in in the uh, the show notes. But when you're teaching this uh, to someone, CFT, what is it, and you know why why are you using it? How do you use it? So CFT was developed by the team of researchers at Curtin University primarily Dr. Peter Sullivan, you know, my buddy, and he and his team really saw the value of basically using motivational interviewing. They didn't right. call it that, but they just learned how to talk to patients, open-ended questions, get into their belief system, and then feeling their body, how they moved, watch them, how they moved and made the appropriate changes. And as they made those appropriate changes, 
the biggest thing was their mind change, the change in their belief systems that they aren't damaged goods. I always like to say, you're not damaged goods. You're goods that just had a little damage. Ooh, look at that. You didn't even change the words. You ch Look at that. Changing the order of the words. Yeah. Yeah. You had a little damage and it's better now. You know, hey, it's been three months. It's better now. Wow. You're going to rock and roll. You're going to be great. You know, and I, I see, oh man, I see this all the time in here. This is going to be easy. You and I are going to get, get better really quickly. So again, that kind of terminology used in really empowering the patient, not being the cheerleader. Again, it's not cheerleading rah rah you can oh you're great you're awesome you know that's bullshit they don't want to hear that and they see right, right through that they right? do they see right through that and they're kind of going yeah and then that's just going to be the same old thing they've heard over and over again so hold on a second so all right so i, I feel like there'd be a couple paradigms or a couple of avatars right there's the cheerleader you just described right. they'd also be like the dictator you're going to do this and i'm going to fix this and i'm going to do it all so what would the motivational interviewer be would they be the negotiator would they be the therapist you know would they be the therapist what, what do you think the facilitator. Facilitator. I like that better. That's better than negotiator. Yeah, the facilitator. And just the one that just, it almost like, who's the expert about Jimmy's pain? Jimmy is. I spend more time with it than you. Yeah, yeah. You know it better than I do. What do you think you need? It's like sometimes I'll ask a patient, hey, what do you think you need today, Jimmy? You're, walk, you're driving in here. Right. What are you thinking? Man, I'm in a lot of pain. What I really hope John does yeah. Do you need something or do we need to talk about it? Because a lot of people, even in this relationship, there is a power dynamic in the therapist and patient or therapist-client relationship. You know, and I've been there before. We've we've been getting our oil changed, or someone's working on your house for you, and you're like, oh, I, I gotta I gotta steer the conversation this way because I'd really hope he addresses this, or my goal is this, right? But when you do it, when you use motivational interviewing, what they want is gonna pop up. You're going to know real soon because they're driving the bus. Absolutely. They're driving the bus. And when people say, you know, I only have 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever with these patients, I could show you, uh, you know, like clip after clip after clip, audio and video of me treating patients right. using motivational interviewing. And it takes about three minutes for them to get to the point where they're saying, right. this is what I'm going to work on. And this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it and say, I think that's a great idea. And, you know, instead of going, yeah, let's kick some ass, you know, it's right. like, <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Let's implement that. Yeah. So let's, let's go to work today. Uh, I, I love the idea. I remember the first time I told you, I heard, heard about motivational interviewing. I remember learned, I learned about it. Actually, it was at a student conclave when I was still a student, or maybe I just graduated. I remember like, it was one of those situations where I knew about it, but the person in the front of the room was putting words to the ideas that I knew. And that was really cool. It was like, oh, I didn't just invent this weird thing or this isn't a trick I just stumbled on. This is a this is a thing. And now you're putting words to it. Uh, how are how are PTs receptive to it? Because in our in our traditional education, yeah, we're told stuff and then we got to tell people stuff. And this is starting to come into PT curricula and practice more often. But how is this received usually? Oh, that's great. That's a great question. And I would have brought it up anyways, if you didn't. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so basically what's happening is, um, and again, I'm going to touch on some classic terms that we use, right? What did we used to call it? The soft skills, right? Yes. I hate it's that. Not, it's I don't so like that. Bad. It's no bad. No, it's, oh, soft skills, learning how to communicate <laughs> is soft. No, that's hard, badass stuff, right? We got to figure this out, right? 
So it is not soft skills. It is skills. And they are the primary skill that patient interview. That patient walks in that office, your, their impressions and their beliefs about if they're going to get help or anything starts as soon as they walk into your clinic. So the motivational interviewing allows you to you know, speak with the patient so that you're getting to know it. We call it the patient centered approach, right? Right. Get the information from the patient. And, you know, back in 2001, the APTA wrote a paper in their clinical practice guidelines and their paper that, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy done for patients with seeing psychologists that physical therapists are in the perfect, this was 2001 paper, in the perfect arena to help patients with musculoskeletal problems to deal with behavior change according to their musculoskeletal problems. So not only has the APTA accepted that and then stated that in 2001, it is slowly becoming more and more popular because people are reading work from Pete O'Sullivan and his team, and they're doing the soft skills, if you will. They're learning how to treat the patient from the patient's perspective. And it's the first real approach that we can call it. So basically it was the CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy of the psychologist for a physical therapist is really CFT, cognitive functional therapy. How do they learn how to talk to the patients? You learn motivational interviewing skills. Now it's getting more and more. I see, I teach in two programs, the Kaiser Permanente Fellowship Program in Northern California and Evidence in Motion. And I am a weekend intensive instructor. And I've been to Utah and Idaho in the past month. And these guys are open. They're open. The therapists, the manipulators, they like to manipulate things and they like to learn how to talk. They want to be the experts at everything. Right. So, so if, uh, if there's a, uh, if there are, we have, we actually have program chairs listen to this show. I'm shocked. Uh, <laughs> if a program chair, a professor was listening right now, what would your elevator pitch be of why motivational interviewing and CFT need, you got to find room for it. You got to get rid of, you got to put this in there. What would you say to them? Chronic persistent back pain is the biggest amount of money being used yeah. In, in the world, chronic pathology, chronic pain. And if you can't understand and learn how to talk to them and treat them, a lot of money is being wasted and a and lot of people are going to continue to be in pain. It's the biggest amount of money that we put out chronic pain behavior, you know, for chronic pain behaviors. So it's huge. It's money. And um, it's fun. I mean, I tell you, some of the, my patients, some of my visits are you know, half hour, I treat on the half hour and on the hour evaluations. You know, I have a very fast moving clinic with six therapists and we are, um, many times I'll, I'll be in there with a patient and it's talking all day. It's the whole, I mean, the whole session is talking and it's funny how they'll say, God, you know, I know we didn't get anything done. I know you got to get to your next patient, but I got to tell you, I, I just feel so much better after the way you talk to me. I know we didn't do anything today, but I feel better. So we must have done something. We we got some things done. Yeah. And if you're able to learn something to use later, that's still getting some stuff done. And that's the one I get to say, what did you learn today? Always recap it. What did you yeah. learn? What was the what was the take-home message for you? Why do you feel so much better? Yeah. 
Well, you, you, think that is? You, you, you really told me how my discs aren't damaged. They're just, you know, we get these little creaks and cracks and we got it and it's this problem and it's going to get better. It's already gotten better and uh, I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to be okay. I told this story about, um, you know, kind of why I left radio and I sort of fell out of love with it. And also I think the smartphone definitely changed. Hey, if you don't have to be geographically close to a thing, then you can listen to things from everywhere. And one part of my story of not only not why I left radio, but why I chose to come to physical therapy was you and I have a link uh, uh, as well, a commonality. We're both Ironman triathletes. Oh, sweet. What year did you do yours? I did 2010 Lake Placid and 2012 uh, Wisconsin. And then I've done a bunch of 70s, 70.3s nice. uh, up and down the East Coast. But yeah. Ironman and triathlon actually played a role in me coming to PT and motivational interviewing. So buckle up. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm training for my first Ironman triathlon, and I'm riding out at this place called Harvey's Lake in Pennsylvania. And it was like, you know, people would meet at the pizza place, and we're like, wheels up at 515 and hang on for two hours, three hours to the pack, right? And the one of the rides was organized by this guy, and I just knew him from the cycling community locally. And afterwards of call, what, 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 do, what do cyclists do at when you park at a pizza place? When you're done cycling, you go inside for pizza and beer. And this guy would sit at the head of the table. He was kind of like, you know, the, the, the old salt of the earth guy. And he was in charge. Everybody knew him. People would inevitably walk up to him and they would always kind of like, hey, man, my hips. What do you think about my hip or my knee or my shoulder? And he would have a con I, I was just I was radio DJ still, so I didn't know what was going on here. And I would watch this conversation, and he would never, ever, ever, because he had pizza grease and beer on his hands, he would never lay a hand on these people. But I would watch their posture go from kind of being like, hey man, you know, my shoulder, my back. And by the time they were done talking, inevitably, from my point of view, they were kind of sitting taller. <laughs> and I remember just one time being like, what what kind of voodoo is this stuff? I got to find out about this. And he's like, well, I'm a physical therapist. And I'm like, and that started my wheels turning, not on purpose on his part, not consciously on my part. But I remember thinking, gosh, if he can do that, I want to learn that. So, but what I, what we were witnessing was either he, if he didn't call it motivational interviewing, he was definitely doing something like that. Yeah, he was doing yeah. it. So I thought that was a cool parallel when I, I read a little bit about your bio is that we got, that was training for my first Ironman then. And I was watching somebody over beers and pizza perform motivational interview. And that, that actually was a spark for me going, that seems like a cool way to spend your day helping people. And you talk, <laughs> you talk, you talk. <laughs> I love it. That's great. I got a, I got a funny story. I was showing my uh, motivational interviewing instructor, this guy, Steve Malcolm Berg Smith out of Larksburg, California above uh, San Francisco. And I said, I, Steve, I got to show you this guy. And I showed him some video. I got all this video of Pete and I doing treating patients. And I showed him Pete O'Sullivan treating a patient. And, uh, and he just smiled and he's shaking his head and he goes, wow, he does motivational interviewing beautifully. Who did he learn that from? And I said, he, he learned it from himself. He just figured it out how to listen to the patients and make behavior changes by asking them what they're going to do. And then he just kicked back and he smiled and he goes, you know, some people just, it's, it, they just, they just got it. 
Well, some people peel the onion, right? Like yeah. they're just sitting there going like, hey, man, I've tried to solve this a hundred different ways. <laughs> so you know what I'm going to do? Some people would go, I quit and I'm just going to do nothing or whatever. I'm going to do the next best thing. And then some people just honestly sit there and they go, all right, blank slate, square one. Yeah. Empty dry erase board. Let me just let me just start by figuring yeah. one thing out. And when I figure one thing out, let me figure the second thing out. And yeah. look yeah. at that. Talking to someone actually unlocks him. I call it. Uh, I should patent this uh, <laughs> or trademark. I don't know the, the difference. Um, yeah. I, I, when I teach people how to podcast or, or create a podcast, but interviewing people on a podcast is very similar to interviewing people in a patient situation. And I love, yeah. the, I love the parallels between communications and PT. Yeah. And I tell people, I want you to picture an onion, one of those big old onions, right? And where do you start peeling the onion? There's really no beginning. You just right. pick a spot, you dig in, and then from there, if you wanted to, you could peel the whole onion without cutting it, right? You got to dig in somewhere. You got to pick a spot, and every layer is is gets a little bit deeper, right? We say we get deeper with someone, and an onion getting deeper. And uh, if you try to skip to the center by cutting your way there, you're going to cry. No good results from that. You're going to get tears, right? And what's at the middle of an onion? Well, there's no seed. There's no pit. The purpose is the onion. The purpose is the journey. The purpose is the unpeeling. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so yeah. My onion analogy holds, and I thought you would appreciate that. It does. That's totally cool. Yeah, because it's not the holy grail. You, nope. You, you've created, you've unpeeled the onion. And ah, and to me, it'd be like, what's not a palatable thing, but understanding. Understanding. Yeah. Understanding. You get to the And now you have different directions to go in. Yeah. Uh, you know, you talked about words. We were talking about um, words that hurt and harm before. Uh, recently, the conversation around words uh, got to taking a, uh, a patient history yeah. versus receiving a patient history. Because taking, yeah. I mean, who's like, who like, I got taken for 20 bucks over at the track last week. Like, nah, nobody likes to be taken. Or, you know, I got... Yeah. Taken is is kind of has that negative vibe to it. It's like I'm, you know what? I, I'm actually busy. Uh, I'm I'm receiving this patient history right now. I'll be right with you. That yeah. says something different because that also says you you got to do more work than me because I yeah. need to hear this from you. I will, I am here to and I am I am receiving this. I am here to serve to you. So I like that word change. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. It's just that the semantics of the things that we teach now is making a big difference in our fellowship programs. How yeah. those things have changed. It's pretty interesting. All right. So you're teaching uh, at the uh, annual meeting, California Physical Therapy Association coming up. Uh, we all like to put butts in seats, right? Put, let's put some butts yeah. in seats. So so how do you explain to people if they're maybe they're milling about outside and they could pick this room or that room? What would you tell them that they'd be able to do after they you know took your class and listened to you? What are they able to be able to do with that on Monday morning? Uh, how come to motivational interviewing and learn how to speak to your patients so that they make the changes in their behavior and in their pain and not you. It's not John's first time. He's done this before and it shows, but it's also a skill, right? And what do we know about talents and skills? Talents you're born with skills you can build on and you have to build on them to get better. So you've, well, you've, you've pitched this before. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because I'm in that paradigm where you were just talking about earlier, you know, how about the, the physical therapist, how they accepting MI? It's, it's just, it, I, I think because of the research that 
has been done. The CFT model has been done now already in three different countries, showing the efficacy of that is better to understand the patient's belief system and use cognitive functional therapy versus manual therapy and exercise. So the manual therapists are paying attention, knowing that the way to communicate is using MI techniques. So boy, if you want to be a rock star, because it is a pretty machismo, you know, chest bumping. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I, I, I have to say this term, you know, it's a dick slinging match, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's tough. It's, you know, it's rough and it's, uh, and it's, it's one of those things that it's like, and if you learn how to do motivational interviewing, um, that's uh that allows you to really challenge your brain to think and do things differently. Um, I know that when I'm treating those patients and every room, 10 treatment rooms in my clinic, you know, I've got a box of Kleenex. And as soon as you ask them saying, you know, something else yeah. is going on. I don't know, man, you're not getting any better. What do you think is going on? Is there anything happening at home that's really, and don't say it's depressing you, that's really worrying you? I see a lot of worry. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they just, and then kaboom, Ooh. grab the box. And I just give it to her and I say, let her rip. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. And I say, tell me. Again, classic. Tell me. Tell me more. How does that make you feel? Yep. Oh, man. And then again, that reflecting and then saying like, ooh, yeah, that's that's a lot. Just reflecting. And then forward conversation going, I can see how that will make you not want to do any exercises. Yeah. Some of the best questions I heard uh, uh, a great interviewer say, some of the best questions aren't questions. No. Tell me, you know, that that sounds, that sounds difficult is not a question, but that can get a lot of, that can get, that can redirect or that can keep on a target and can get a lot of information out of people. Exactly. Now what you just said there is a perfect, that's an affirmation, right? All reflections are reflections, but not all reflections are affirmations. All right, do that again. Do that again. Yeah, yeah. You you did a reflection, a reflection that have, happened to be an affirmation. And so an affirmation keeps the conversation going in the right direction. And and that's what you just did, is you, you said it in a way that you're kind of guessing that what they're saying. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I hurt my back. It's killing me. I don't want to do that again. Um boy, I sure don't know what I'm going to do in here, but I sure don't want to feel bad again like I did when I had to fall down on the concrete. Right. Wow. You don't like being on the concrete for an hour because that was intense for you. Yeah. And so that's an affirmation, getting it, accepting what they said, reflecting what they said, but keeping the conversation moving. And they say, yeah, not only that, but whatever. And they keep going. Onion, 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 onion. Have you ever read Chris? You ever heard of Chris Voss? No. Chris Chris Voss was an FBI hostage negotiator. Oh. And he's got a great book called, and we 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 read it in our in our our podcast book club. It's called Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if your life depended on it. And obviously, this guy has been in life or death negotiations before. And I remember when I brought it up to the book club, I said it. It's not, it's about hostage negotiation and there's a real easy translation to negotiating in business or your job or a raise. And yeah. I said, this book is about uh, people and communicating 
And then I, and then I, and they were still deciding, is this the book we're going to read? And then I said this, every negotiate, uh, sorry, every conversation is a negotiation for information. Right. Everyone with your yeah. spouse, with a stranger, with a patient, with a boss, you are negotiating for information. And that's when everybody was like, oh, then that's every interaction I have with a human. And I go, yep. And we read that book and it was pretty well received in terms of, well, first of all, I thought it was a good, it was a well-written book. He starts every chapter with like, okay, so here we are at a bank in 1997 and the guy's got a hostage situation. So you're like, it's like, boom, drama, tension. But then he shows these skills that he used. And then he shows you like, it's not only applicable in a hostage situation because there's a human who is nervous or scared on the other end of that phone. And the book title never split the difference. He's like, listen, I can't say, hey, you got Kent. John's got 10 hostages. How about John? You, I take five, you let five go. Uh, you, you keep five and we'll, we'll call it a day. You can't split the difference because it was high stakes. But what he said was, there's always a way. And the goal was, how do I get more information out of this person? I can't just yell at him and tell him to put the gun down and come out. That ain't going to work. That could have dire consequences. So that book was fantastic. I felt a lot of motivational interviewing, but also a lot of psychology. Yes. How can I show this person? He used this uh, this great term, tactical empathy, which is like tactically you think like advanced and active and 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 yeah. and, and forward yeah. aggressive and empathy, which is like the opposite. But he said he employed tactical empathy, and really, I just it 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 had mi motivational interviewing all over it. All over it, exactly. That's what they call it. You know, you know, mi is is empathic thinking, empathic listening. And then being able to, you know, relay it back. The probably one of the most powerful things in that is summary statements. Being able to say, "All right, let me see if I got this right, Jimmy. Yep. You hurt your back in 2010 training for an Ironman. You did this, you did that, and you go through everything step by step by you know chronological order. You've had lots of physical therapy, lots of injections. You've had all these things going on." And you are frustrated. You are pissed and you're angry and you're in here. You don't want to be here. And um, you just want some help. Did I get that right? Did I miss it? And then, and then did I miss anything? Anything Ooh. you want me to add? But I love that. Did I miss anything? And then anything else going on? And again, that's, that's getting the, you know, did I miss anything? It- well, yeah. You know, and then out of the blue, this happened to me about a month ago, out of the blue, yeah, I need to end my marriage of 30 years and I don't know how to do it. If you don't think that's affecting that person, right. You're not paying attention. Right. Yeah. But that's not, but you're not going to get that on an intake form. Nope. That's not going to show up. Nope. Yeah. And he goes, You got any advice for that? And I'm going, <laughs> you know, he threw it right back at me. And I was like, uh, well, that's heavy. Oh yeah. my God, that is heavy. Right back. Man, I can understand how you feel. So body language is just like, wow. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, I I don't know, man, you got me. I don't know what to say. You know, that's okay to say that. And they know that, right? I mean, that's a question because they they don't know what's going on. Yeah. And then just, what are you going to do? But it puts you, it puts you and they on the same, here we are. Talking we, about this. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
it, it's just empowering to be able to use that and know that when they come in and they're pissed off and angry, the patients and they don't, and they hurt and they hurt and nothing you've given me is helping. Just take the onus off of you. It's just like, okay, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, then I love to repeat that. So I've treated you for 12 visits. <laughs> nothing's helped. <laughs> Are you sure nothing's helped? You know, you can't do that. Are you sure nothing's helped? Come on, man. I mean, right. you did those rotations and we manipulated L4-5 and that made you feel great. Yeah, it's like, uh-uh, don't argue. <laughs> yeah. I love that. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so John's going to be out at the uh, California Physical Therapy Association annual conference that is back uh, in person, finally. That's uh, September 24, 25. So it's coming up very uh, soon. Hilton Anaheim. Details on their website. And again, sign up for tickets. Uh, put some butts and seats there in the uh, show notes of the episode. Um, I would love to say that we have this in common, but I have never really invented anything. You invented something called MyoTool, which yeah. is designed to help people get out of pain. Like, what? what walk me through this. What is the MyoTool? Yeah, the MyoTool is a self treatment device. So um, I invented the mild tool. Oh, I got it right. Let me grab it. Let me show it to you. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is what yeah, we yeah. live stream as well. So we might, I feel like yeah. we could, we could do an entire episode like QVC. We could do like product uh, demos. We, we, sometimes we do product placement. I sell these things. All right. So that's mild tool. Okay. Yep. And just a self-mobilization device, you know, just allows patients to, it's got two center knobs in the middle and might, like I told you, might, passion was to help people get out of pain. And the best way to help people get out of pain is give them self-treatment techniques, whether it's a stretch, a strengthening exercise, unloading. And I was trying for years, working at Kaiser for 18 years, trying to figure out how to help people get out of pain that needed to do self-manipulation. And you probably used it. Every PT has. What did we do? We taped tennis balls together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tape them together. Here, roll on this. And then they go, I, I keep losing it and it falls. And, you know, and so I, you know, me and a buddy, a guy named Matt Johansson lives in uh, St. George, Utah. Now he and I invented it in 2005, made it happen, brought it to market. And we've been selling since 2005 and we're helping people get out of pain. That's and cool. it's great because it's just show people how to use it. And they go, oh my God, I can manipulate L4 on L5, or I can take C7 on C, you know, T1, and I can stretch that one joint. I can do a suboccipital release. So we created a device that empowers patients to take care of themselves. So we kind of thought of the one tool that does everything. You know, it's like, it's better than the Theracane because you can lay on it and mobilize joints. It's better than the back knobber. It's like a foam roller in a sense at this level. Right, right. <laughs> So well, good for you for like for 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 seeing what what was out there and listening. This sounds very full circle. Paying attention to what needed to be done or what needed to, to exist, and then and then creating it. And I've heard from several PTs that have been on the show that have created products. It is no easy task, right? Cool. Yeah. Just create creating creating something that did not exist, bringing a thing into existence is not easy. So good good on you for that. Right, right, and it's a, you know it's a work in pro progress. But it's uh, it's so much fun to help people, you know, help themselves so right. so, they can, so they can make it happen. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a tradition on the show. It's called three questions. Are you ready for three questions? Ready. All right. It's brought to you by our friends at Jackson Therapy Partners, providing awesome awesome adventures in patient care 
for physical therapists who care about where they're going. Uh, travel physical therapy. Find them online at jacksontherapy.com. Uh, I always like to start with a who question. Who is someone the audience should follow to learn more about the topic today? We'll say motivational interviewing. You mentioned Pete O'Sullivan. Is there anybody else you'd say, hey, you know, this this idea, this person deserves some more uh, more attention? More a shout out. Yeah, the, you know, the two inventors of it, you know, the that promoted it, that started it. And that would be Dr. Bill Miller out of the University of New Mexico and Steve Rolnick out of the UK. So these two guys, it's a cool story, but basically they figured out motivational interviewing when they were doing research at trying in psychology, they're psychologists, and figured out that the most empathic therapists that were implementing programs that were listening, there were ones that got the best results. Right. And then when they challenged it, they saw that that continued to happen. And even just sending out a, uh, a uh, quite interesting, sending out a, a survey to the community, a drinker's checkup. It was called the DCU. And what it was, it was a like, little survey that went out to the community that said, it's you know a thing for drinkers to take this survey to see how you're doing, to see if you think drinking is a problem for you. Well, a majority of the people that took the survey stopped drinking. Wow. <laughs> because it was using, you know, motivational interviewing words. Didn't tell them what to do. Didn't tell them what to do. Just said, you know, like, do you have, so I took the survey. I thought, well, shit, I better check that out and make sure I'm okay. <laughs> I was good. I was good. I got like a, you know, a three out of 10. You know, if you're a nine, right. a seven, eight, nine out of 10, it was like, you're in a problem. And then right. the questions were bizarre. Like, do you ever drink so much that you don't wake up the next morning and miss work? late for work, you know, anyway, so just asking those questions and they had, you know, the ABCD in every question, it was this 10 questions was remarkable. I remember reading that kind of going, you know, I stopped having a few beers a couple nights. I thought, <laughs> well, it did exactly what it, it did, what they wanted you to do. It got you thinking, it got you thinking about you. Yep. And so they found out the ones promoting that and using that, but with empathic listening and talking, they were doing a great job. So those two guys, they, uh, you know, their books are great, you know, motivational interviewing books. They're into the third edition. Um, you know, my particular uh, psychologist that I take my classes from here in Northern California, um, typically what they are, are they, they're called the mint instructor. Like I'm a fellow in the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Therapist. And, and so like you would look for a fellow, right? If you, wherever you live, if you want to see a therapist that has a lot of training in, Motivational interviewing, you would look for a MINT instructor, M-I-N-T, Motivational Interviewing Network Teacher. Got it. Those would be That's the cool. people that would be teaching in your community, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, doesn't matter. And That's they would cool. find the, the person to do that. So uh, those guys are, are, you know, learning more about that. That's kind of the way to get it from the horse's mouth. The second question is what's something the audience should should take a look at if they want to take a deeper dive into the things we talked about today. But I feel like Mint or those those guys resource. I feel like you answered both of those questions off the bat. Right. Yeah. You know, those those two people and uh, the, the, the you know, the people that originated it kind of developed it, yeah. put a name to it. 1983. So it's not that long. It yeah. has not well, it been. It takes a long time for us, us dumb humans to adopt things. We even <laughs> even if we know that they work, we still, eh, you know. Yeah, you know, so it's not been a long time, but it's very valuable and it's shown yeah. to be more effective than 
so many other approaches within the psychology right. arena. Yeah. Right. Uh, last question on three questions. Uh, this is your chance to uh, to set up maybe like if, if, if you were selling motivational interviewing, right? Why should someone care about motivational interviewing? Ah, because they can make behavior change with people in chronic pain. It's the that's easiest it. way to help people in chronic pain. That's it right there. All right. That's uh, three questions brought to you by our friends at Jackson Therapy Partners. Again, jacksontherapy.com. Last thing we do on the uh, the show, John, is called The Parting Shot. Shop brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. Current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy in their fifth edition now, your perfect roadmap to that OCS exam. Again, that website, orthopt.org. So your chance for sort of like a soapbox statement or just something you want to wrap up, uh, stage is yours. What's your parting shot? Uh, my parting shot. Um, learn motivational interviewing you will use it with every situation you are in in life whether it's talking to family friends patients professionals taking the onus off of you that you don't have to fix something or get it all figured out ask open-ended questions listen for the response silence is golden yeah listen and respond reflect and affirm yeah, I tell people all the time too. Uh, you know, if you want to appear, this is like a life hack. If you want to appear interesting, be interested. How do you appear? How do you how how can you show that you're interested? Questions. Questions. Right? Also, life hack. If you want to look smart but you're not like me, be the guy asking questions. It means you never have to answer any. Yeah, there you go. Just keep asking. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. I love it. John, appreciate the uh, the time. Thanks for doing what you do. Look, uh, I know a lot of people out in California looking uh, towards that annual meeting and uh, learning some motivational uh, techniques from you. Yeah, and thank. And I'm also going to be teaching down in San Diego uh, at AUMP conference in October, at the end of October. Pretty so good spot. Pretty, pretty good spot to be in October is uh, San Diego. Exactly. So I get to do the motivational interviewing uh, class as well at AUMP. All right, maybe we'll catch up at CSM when that comes to San Diego in February as well. Exactly. Yeah. All right, John. Appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. All right. Enjoy. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet, ptpinecast.com, created by Build PT. 
Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.